without the training wheels, you remember what happens. Your mom or dad, they are there behind you. And there, I mean, you can just feel the hovering over you, right? And you're doing fine until you realize they have let go. They are gone, okay? They have stopped and you keep going. But what you try to do is you try to remember all those times that you rode the bicycle with those training wheels and with mom and dad right there by your side. And even though they're not there now, you know the way. You know how to do it. And even if you fall and you mess up and you skin the knee, which you probably did, you get back up after you cry and you wipe those tears and you try again, right? Now I want to take you back to my childhood. I loved to hunt and growing up, my dad would take me and my brother and, and others, but me and my brother, and he would show us the way to hunt. He would teach us how to do that. And we knew when we reached that magical moment, whenever he thought we were ready, he would let us hunt by ourselves with our own gun. And so up to this point, we're with him in the stand. And he's teaching us, when deer hunting, you don't talk. Not even a whisper will do because it can scare the deer away. I hated that. I did, Jared. I still do. I find myself in my deer stand, even at my age now, humming or singing or thinking about something. And I, I go back to my childhood and remember those days where my dad would say, you can't talk. You can't even go, uh-uh, and clear your throat. I love to be able to do that. But I remember the first time that dad said, okay, in the morning, you have your own gun now. You're going to the stand by yourself. Now, up to that point, what I did is I watched him and followed him every step of the way to the deer stand. And all those times when he would say, now watch and watch your surroundings and remember, because when you're by yourself, I'm not going to be here and you're going to have to know the way to your stand. Well, I get lost very easily in the woods. So what we would do is we would mark the trail or the path with little orange strips and we would hang them in the tree every inch or so <laughs> where I could make sure that I'm not going to get lost. That's a true story. I love those orange ropes where you could just hang around the tree because that's your sign, that's your indicator of the way to your stand. Now, Jesus, as we turn to John chapter 14, I want you to imagine being one of the 12 disciples, traveling with Jesus. And as you're traveling with him, not only are you going with him on this journey, but you are witnessing all these mighty miracles. The water turning into wine, the healing of the blind man, the raising of Lazarus from the dead, the feeding of thousands of people with just a few loaves of bread and a couple of small fish. 
And you would read about the demonic man and you would see Jesus minister to a crazy guy. I mean, all of these stories that are shaping the disciples' faith. And as we read those stories now, they continue to shape who we are. The story of Scripture should always shape our very lives. Amen? Because that is where we find the core of who we are. That's where we find our identity. And all this time that the disciples are following Jesus, he's trying to get them to understand that one day, the time will come when I will not be with you. But even though I'm not with you, I'm trying to show you the way. I'm trying to prepare for you the way to live and the way to mark your life. Think about what it would have been like to be one of the disciples when Jesus is walking along and he turns to them and he asks this question, who do people say that I am? And then think about what it was like to have him look straight at you and say, okay, I know what everybody else is thinking, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? You see, when that question is asked to you as an individual, that provides ownership. That means I've got to give an answer to the one that I've been following that hopefully he'll understand. I've been listening. I've been watching. I know the way because you are it. So as we've been turning the pages through the Gospel of John, we've tried to learn not just what others might say about Jesus, but what did he claim? Who did he claim to be? And what were those things about his nature and his life and the characteristics that brought about life, not only to him, but life to those who would come along? And so we've looked at sayings and statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life that we saw in John 11. And this morning as we turn to John 14, as he's about to be arrested and later crucified, he's trying to teach his disciples and us who he is. And so in this chapter, here's what we see. Jesus is bringing about the I am claim in a totally different setting because the disciples are confused, they're troubled. Jesus could see the anxiety in their face. He could also see it in their hearts. And you know the pages of John 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. It's known as his farewell discourse. And as he's trying to say farewell to those that are following him, man, I mean along the way, and before he's arrested and crucified, and before he's hung on the cross, he goes through those intimate moments with his disciples because he's trying his best to bring comfort to them. So that's why he spends that time with them in chapter 13 where he's washing the disciples' feet. It was just before the Passover feast, chapter 13, verse 1. And so it's in this setting of confusion 
and troubled hearts that Jesus made the I am claim, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they may have felt that they didn't know what was going to happen in the upcoming days. They're losing their sense of direction. They're getting off the trail. They're getting off the path, as you might say. But when something changes your life, you feel that you have just become disoriented, confused. And when those times come, you've got to remember it's not the end. You've got to remember that all along you've been following the very one who gives substance and who gives meaning to life. I mean, after all, we've already heard the truth in John chapter 10. You remember Satan comes along, known as the thief, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have, what's the word, church? Life and have it more abundantly. Have it to the full. But, all of a sudden, the disciples in their mind are thinking, what if the things that we've always believed are not that way? What if? Because you know when we get troubled, we have a lot of what if questions. But when those what if questions come, you know what we pray? We pray that our faith will kick in. We pray that our faith, which is that stabilizing force in troubled times, will be there. To the point that even though we can't see him, we feel him all over our hearts and all around us. And so before we look in chapter 14, go above there just a little bit in chapter 13. And look at these words beginning in verse 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Remember those words. I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back so you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Now, here's the ironic thing. The disciples understand that Jesus is feeling troubled. They understand to a degree that 
he's under great pressure. Even though they don't fully understand it, they see that in his heart and in his eyes. And so they want desperately to reassure him. And on the other hand, what is Jesus doing with the disciples? He's comforting them. So together, they are ministering and comforting each other. And here's what he says in everyday language. Don't be afraid. It's going to be okay. You know why? Because you can trust not only me, but you can trust my Father. It's going to be okay because you can trust me and you can trust the Father. Now, they're troubled and they've got good reason to be troubled. If you go back and look at that word, it means to stir, it means to shake up, it means to cause an inward turmoil or to disturb or to have something that's unsettling. And all of a sudden when something is unsettling, guess what happens? It just throws everything into a state of confusion. Again, the disciples are confused. Are there moments in our life as a Christian where we're confused, where we've lost direction, where we've lost sense of things? Yes. And when those moments come, look at what Jesus says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, in other words, you don't have anything to worry about because you can trust in God, you can trust in me, you can trust in the Spirit. We're going to look at that in a moment. But more than that, when I leave, I'm going somewhere that you can't come right now, but here's the good news. I'm going to get it ready. I'm going to make preparations. That's good news, church. And that's at the moment in our faith where we have to let go for a moment and trust that even though he's leaving, where he's going is going to be worthwhile. Right? And it's going to be worthwhile because one day, here's the good news, here's where it all culminates, the good news is one day we're going to be able to go where he is. That's supposed to be comforting. To us, it is. If you're a disciple right then, you're probably still shaking your head because you're wanting to hang on and you don't want them to go. You want them right there. Perhaps Thomas sums it up well because the more that he talked about going away to a place where they would follow later, the more frustrated they've become. I mean, is he going to Galilee? Is he going to Samaria? Was he going to go hide from the Jewish leaders in the desert or maybe in Egypt? And finally, Thomas is the one in the group in verse 5 that says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And it's almost like Jesus is saying, you know, I'm really glad, Thomas, that you made that remark. Because I'm going to tell you. And so look at what he says in verse 6 and following. He answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? And the words that I say to you are not just my own, rather it is the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe in me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Ah, so all those great miracles that we've been witnessing, you see what he says? At least believe in what you've seen. He didn't say understand it. Church, there's a big difference in believing something and understanding something. There's a lot of things about faith. There's a lot of things about Christianity that we don't understand, right? But when it counts and what matters the, the most, believe. Believe. It helps cure a lot of doubt. It helps cure a lot of anxiety. Just believe in me. And I will do, verse 13, whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now I want to show you, I want to take you on a journey, and you can just look at the screen and watch this. In the Old Testament, you have several references to walking in the way of righteousness. For example, in Isaiah, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way Walk in it. Or Isaiah 35, and a highway will be there. And it will be called the way of holiness. And then in Acts chapter 22, early Christians were actually known by following this bold claim, by actually saying they are a part of the way. Church, guess what? You and I, as followers of Jesus, we are followers of the way. And so in Acts 22, I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. Then in Isaiah chapter 42, we're reminded that he is the very source of existence in this life. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. And then a scripture that Mike read earlier in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 5, verse 19, I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing alone. The Son does only what He sees the Father doing, 
because the Son does whatever the Father does. The Father loves the Son and shows the Son all the things that He Himself does, but the Father will show the Son even greater things than this, so that you can all be amazed. You mean to tell me it's going to be greater than this right here? It better be, right? It better be greater than what we see right before us. If not, we're in trouble. But you know what? He's promised us it gets better. And even though you have days and weeks, maybe months, I don't know, maybe you're in a drought, maybe you've had years of disappointment, of confusion, of being puzzled. I don't know. But I know this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That right there brings peace and harmony that nothing else can offer in this life. And even though you may not always understand it, Jesus is asking us, just believe it. Just believe. The interesting thing is that who I am has everything to do with who he is. That's why I love these claims. That's why I love in John's gospel these seven I am statements. And you know what? When we begin to realize that we find our identity in Jesus Christ, that is the way we are connected to God. And the only way besides being connected to God, Jesus says, if you really want to know the way to my Father, I'm it. Okay? Now, in the postmodern world that we live in, man, I mean, that just throws everything outside the door, right? That's pretty exclusive. I am it. We live in a world today that says, well, that may be the way for you, but it may not be the way for me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, period. That's it. But here's the good news. When you follow after that way, your life will be blessed. When you follow after that way, it's going to be okay. I promise you. Because Jesus said that. And I know there's days where we feel like Thomas. And we doubt. And we wonder. And we ask all the questions. But to say that Jesus is the way is to affirm that he really is the path to God. Now let me show you one thing before we leave this passage. Go down to John 14, about verse 25. Praise God that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the Counselor, Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. 
I do not give to you as the world gives. And then he says a phrase that he said at the very beginning of this chapter. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. If you want to know the path, if you want to know the way to life, it's through Jesus. And here's the good news about that. You'll know the Father that way, you've got the Spirit, and you've got the promise of eternity. You've got the promise of heaven. But the kicker is this. Jesus is the way. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're so confused that you don't know what to do next. I'll tell you this. I've been a part of this church for a long time. You can follow a lot of great people in this congregation because they have followed the way. We're not perfect, but we try to follow the way, Jesus, every day. And there are people in this church that'll love on you, that'll pray with you, that'll support you every step of the way until you feel better about life. Maybe you are here and you're ready to say, I know who Jesus is, and I'm ready to confess that great name and be baptized into Christ. Whatever you need to do, we stand ready and willing to do that. But remember, the path to God is through His Son. Let's stand and be saved.